Hello ladies and gentlemen on YouTube. Of course, uh, this is a video that I always uh, live stream. That's why, you know, there might be some confusion. We are communicating on two mediums, maybe even three, four, because this, of course, uh, you can find uh, on Spotify. If uh, you check out, you know, you search in the search bar, the voice of Yamato. Uh, the link in the description doesn't really work. Uh, I haven't updated it. It uh, is tied to a different old account. Uh, before we continue on to the summary, I wanted to uh, you know, uh, share a few words in regards to Sandbox. Uh, for those who don't know, I chose not to re-sign a contract with Sandbox uh, due to personal reasons. I, I don't feel um, the need to go too in-depth, but um, what I can say is that uh, the story with me and the LCK and sandboxes is far from over. I was very happy with um, how it began. And when we got the ball rolling, we definitely made a lot of strides and improvements. And um, I spent a lot of this off season already preparing uh, for what's coming uh, next year for sandbox. And um, the timing just uh, wasn't right uh, for me personally. And um, Sandbox was one of the best experiences I've ever had in esports, uh, and I've been in esports for a very, very long time. Uh, the organization definitely set a new bar for what I will expect uh, in the future. Uh, Sandbox came in, they gave me the trust, they gave me the backup, and uh, it was an incredible experience. And um, that means, you know, for now uh, that I am a free agent. I am browsing uh, and I'm looking uh, for uh, opportunities coming into the next year. I feel more ready than ever uh, with the time I got uh, to reflect in spring and work on the broadcast and still be involved in the game and also working in Korea. I feel like my experience is ready to take me and whatever team I'm going to work with uh, to new highs. Uh, what I've achieved uh, at the highest point is, of course, um, with Splice, we took second place in Europe back in 2016 summer, where we lost against G2 in the final 3-1. And I've been to the World Championship two times, but I haven't gotten out of groups. So, of course, as a competitor, I want more. Uh, I don't think as a competitor I will ever be satisfied, uh, but uh, I feel like my experience definitely aligns in a place where I'm ready to really, really take on uh, the next uh, big challenge. I'm looking for opportunities and I really need to find um, a job uh, that I am passionate about. This is something that is key uh, to me. And uh, I am very privileged to be in a position where I don't need to rush to, to sign uh, anything quickly uh, because in the end, uh, the craft of coaching is something that I can improve on uh, always. I can study more, I can prepare more, and uh, I don't want to be in a position where I'm not passionate because I think a team and a person that is passionate is way more motivated to do whatever it takes. And uh, when I'm passionate about, passionate about a project, sleepless hours are not tiring at all. They are uh, invigorating. And uh, this is what I'm looking for in my uh, next uh, adventure. So I'll keep you guys updated. Uh, finally, I wanted to thank Sandbox, uh, the organization, the staff, 
that was above me and uh, they supported the team and gave me the options to change things. Uh, I want to give a big thank you to the staff that work with me uh, and uh, of course to the players. It was um, a very tough situation, you know, it was a challenge for all of us, but uh, everyone was very, very open-minded and I will forever have uh, Sandbox uh, and uh, anyone that was under their umbrella uh, in my heart. Uh, I know, as I mentioned before, that this is um, very far from over. I know that uh, I will return uh, to the LCK at some point and um, I'm going to continue to study uh, Korean, so I will... Uh, when I'm heading back, I'll be even more prepared uh, to deal uh, with uh, with anything, really. And um, I was so impressed with the level of discipline uh, that uh, Korean players have. And uh, I think with my upbringing, I definitely uh, align uh, with that uh, discipline. And uh, the environment that we created in the gaming house is uh, such a infectious one in a positive way, where everyone's working hard and... Uh, we were always, always in motion, and uh, I truly, truly uh, love that. Trying to think if I've uh, forgotten about something. I think that's it, yeah. Uh, you'll receive updates as always. I didn't want to make... Uh, I, I know I said that I'm going to make uh, a separate video for this, but... Um, it didn't feel uh, right to make uh, something so short because uh, it is what it is. I am a free agent and, uh, you know, uh, the bottom line is I chose not to uh, sign again uh, uh, due to personal reasons. Which um, is the perfect segue uh, to what happened today. We had two LCK teams battle it out and uh, that one was uh, the obvious favorite. For everyone, I predicted 3-0. Uh, I don't think that was uh, uh, anything, you know, incredible to do. I thought it was funny that uh, the NA, <laughs> the NA casters that have that are on the prediction thing, gave a game to DRX. I believe everyone else predicted 3-0. Anyhow, the first game, uh, Dam one pretty much uh, took the challenge to DRX. DRX found some success with uh, Kindred, and this is Pioshik's favorite champion. This is something that he was known for in solo queue. Kindred, Olaf, is what I think of when I think of Pioshik. He went directly for the Kindred into the graves. Uh, but the danger with Kindred is that there are a lot of champions that thematically are very good in Tor. So if you think of Kindred's biggest strength, it's uh, killing high HP targets. She's relatively short range, but she doesn't have an incredible amount of marks, which is something that you can't really rely on. Uh, in this game, I believe that, uh, like, back at the end game point, I think you had like three marks, which is ridiculously low. And uh, if you don't have control over the game, you're not going to achieve much with Kindred. So the key thing about Kindred's ultimate is that she loves it when people uh, and champions have to engage into her. So think of maybe Camille, maybe of Galio. Anything that is melee really is something that Kindred loves to fight against. She's quite mobile, and her ultimate uh, definitely denies uh, those combinations really land. Think of Morphite, for example. Morphite ulting into a Kindred, uh, the enemy team is going to sustain the burst potential of the ultimate and the engage potential of the ultimate, and then outlast a Morphite, right? In this case, the moment Kindred is locked in, while it can be fine into Graves specifically, Graves is still a ranged champion, right? 
So you can design your composition to be good into Kindred right away. They went Kindred, Caitlin. Ash is still in the picture. Jin is still in the picture. Syndra is a very key pick here. Syndra is very key because Syndra is one of the few mages that actually does well into Caitlyn. If you think of the range that Oriana has, uh, she doesn't have the same, you know, uh, distance control as a Syndra E. And that makes it difficult for Caitlyn to ever be in a position to alter the Syndra. So Syndra is going to be very, very important as we look at the rest of this draft. Jin also follows the same pattern of, you know, being something that can control uh, the game from a long distance. So thematically, you have three ranged champions into Kindred already. Oriana gets locked in. Okay, we don't mind that. That's that's okay, right? We've seen Oriana Cinder matchup many, many times. It's something that is playable. Cinder should be able to contest both prior better. Uh, Graves and Cinder should be able to control uh, the early game better through mid if they choose to do so. So that's potentially the only problem with Oriana. Oriana scales well. Yada yada yada. The RX come into the second ban phase, Pantheon Blitzcrank. We didn't talk any much about the the initial bans on blue and red. We saw the Shen ban. Uh, I think um, maybe uh, the thought process was DRX showed it in groups, so they just removed Chen. Okay, there's not much to add to it. Galio forced the TF ban. Nidli was something that is targeted against Canyon. Lilia ban was to force the Kindred out and then the Lucian ban on red. Uh, nothing too, uh, you know, exciting. Pantheon Blitzcrank has target bans uh, because you already set up the Caitlyn, you want to fourth pick your support, you're looking for Lux, you're looking for, uh, in this case, you look for a Lulu. The Orn ban signals something right away, that uh, Damwon want to keep the theme of picking ranged champions. I thought when the Orn ban came in that they're going to look for a Jace, but the tricky thing about Jace is that you can fall into a trap where you might actually end up uh, be like you'll just be too heavy on ad and then the tank pick that probably should have come in at the fifth uh, uh, rotation for drx will just be too effective so they went for the cannon and uh, orn man orn ban could have prompted something like a cannon ban because the only thing that ties drx's composition together here is the orn think if drx third picked an orn here instead of the oriana they can find picks into the syndrome no problem I think it wouldn't be an issue, and already Syndra, Jin, Graves struggle against the likes of an Orn. These are not champions that like to play into tanks because they don't have that much of a DPS output. Um, Graves' target selection will be trickier to do, and he'll have to itemize items that uh, won't be that effective. Orn third definitely would have been juicy here because it also synergizes well with the likes of Kindred. We continue. Lulu gets locked in, and I instantly assume that this Lulu is going to be a flex pick. Okay, this is this is quite wise, because uh, Lulu could have been the potential pick for Damon. Uh, here, uh, Nuguri, after the success in group stage against PSG, Hanabi played a Lulu into the cannon. I think the key mistake that he did was to go for Boots of Swiftness. I don't understand the purpose of going for Boots of Swiftness into a cannon. You should straight up just go Mercury and then into Athens, and you're going to be safe from any potential all-in that the cannon will do. They go for the Leona. The Leona uh, is a good pick into the Lulu, synergizes all right with Graves, uh, but it puts uh, the enemy in the position here with the Lulu. Uh, I mean, Leona, Cannon, Syndra, Mercury value is going to go through the roof. Just stonks, right? Straight up stonks. And... Um, Jace is the last pick. And this is an issue for DRX very often. I think they very often miss the theme of what their composition is supposed to be about. And um, I think 
when they are in position because they have great drafts, they only have kind of one mode in terms of how they approach the mid to late game. And this is what makes Damon so good. They always can take a step back and unite behind the same idea, behind the same spell. Because sometimes a single spell can be the factor that makes your composition better than the enemy. We've seen this many times with Damon where the Syndra stun is such a key ability for them and they're playing around it super, super well. You think the Leon ult and the Syndra stun, they play around it. This concept might sound easy when we're talking about it in theory, but this is something that a lot of players miss. They don't rally around specific abilities, key ideas in the game that it makes your composition better. It's, it's a lot of uh, play uh, depending on your gut feeling. So here Jace gets locked in. In a vacuum, in, in the idea of Jace versus Kennen, it is an alright pick. Even though Nuguri, what he has shown in the LCK, is that Kennen can in fact play this matchup. You go the materializer, and the key thing is to make sure that you contest the wave push, because if you're contesting the wave push against Jace, he can't become as oppressive. And then when you base on Zika's arm guard, the itemization for Gray, uh, Jace isn't ideal into the cannon. You have Zeker's Armguard into a serrated Dirk, and of course Zeker's Armguard is much, much better than the Dirk. And if you go for a pickaxe, it's still much better. There's no path for Jace to go where he's going to be winning, especially when the cannon has unsealed spellbook. So Jace needs to snowball early, and doing that with a Kindred is just not going to happen. Kindred is not a champion that is going to be better in the 2v2 top than a Graves and Cannon. So this is just um, a very, very silly fifth pick. It might work, you know, sure, maybe the enemy champions, you can poke against them and so forth, but uh, especially with the Sanguine Blade, I didn't understand where this Jace wanted to find uh, any type of effectiveness in the game. And it comes down to the same thing. I thought they can go Lulu top here, and then maybe last pick, uh, I don't know, maybe a Morgana. I think this still would make a tricky composition, but at least you have Lulu, Morgana, Kate. Maybe there's some hope here. Maybe Caitlyn can be the champion that uh, creates space for you. Uh, like, I think the issue here is the RX can control space, but they are not good at disrupting space. When I talk about disrupting space, it's all about, you know, there are certain champions that can close distances and approach champions. You think of the Leona. Uh, Leona is very good. At, you know, she can face check. She's very durable. She has ultimates to, to close the gap, and she can disrupt space. You think of... Um, the RX's champions, Oriana, Caitlyn, they put traps, they have the ball. Like Caitlyn is literally like a control AD carry, right? Oriana is a control mage. They they serve the same purpose. We saw the RX actually pick up one dragon when they had the better position around Drake, but the moment down one had any sense of prior, there was no legal way for the RX to really enter their, their space. And this was a very, very big problem. They don't have anyone to face check, and they also have nothing to disrupt any type of control that the Syndra exudes. Syndra also outranges all of these champions besides maybe the Jay's EQ, but that's not going to be enough to whittle Daman down. So the only realistic way that they are going to win a fight when Daman control the space is if Jace is going to land a bunch of EQs that is going to drop Daman's HP down. So this was the biggest concern within the game. They have the Jace and the Lulu support. There's nothing really that can disrupt the space that Damon were very good at creating. That's why the Leona pick is so key. And when you think of the Lulu, send Lulu into top. Maybe you pick a support that is going to be that disruptor. Maybe you could have a Nautilus. Maybe you could have something a little bit different. Nautilus, Caitlyn is not the greatest lane. And this is also an issue. 
in terms of gameplay, the only opportunity in early game is if Caitlyn Lulu can transfer the pressure they have from level 1, 2, 3 into something greater, maybe a B of Sword Advantage base into something else. But Leona Jin straight up won the lane at level 2, and that was a big, big red flag for any potential that Kindred is going to have in this game. You're all of a sudden, in, you're in a position where there is no lane that is dominant, and going into top side, as we mentioned before, the 2v2 is just not strong enough. So that one were in full control with this game. They made a mistake on one Infernal Drake, they made a mistake on a topside dive, but all in all, Dam one kind of sailed away with the victory in this one, and I think that's the story of this best of five. So if you replace this Jace, let's say you send Lulu support anyway into the Leona, uh, maybe, uh, like I would have loved a Maokai here. I would have loved the or Orn on three, I think that would have been better, but I think uh, maybe uh, DRX... Uh, were taught the wrong lessons of the losses they had within, uh, of course, uh, the group stage. Okay, we move on to the next game. I'm just gonna make sure that you guys see it. Yes, visible, very nice. Uh, DRX now on blue side, Syndra ban, uh, Lucian ban response, they removed the Caitlyn. I think this is a response to the Syndra removal, which I like. Uh, Graves gets locked in as the first pick. So already, uh, oh wait, wait, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong draft. Forgive me. Uh, is it? Wait, wait, I'm looking at the wrong draft. I just straight up skipped the draft. Forgive me, forgive me. Thank you for the subscription. Syndra, ban, okay. Uh, I like the Caitlyn response into the Syndra ban. I think it's a good call. They went for the Camille on blue side and they responded with a Renekton ban. Here DRX went for an Italy first pick, Graves Twisted Fate locking right away, and then Galio Senna. Here we see the Orn third pick, the, the very famous Orn third pick. You know, when you see a lot of champions that can't deal with tanks that well, you know, especially in the context of this draft, when the first pick Nidalee happens, there aren't a lot of top laners that synergize well with Nidalee. Maybe you think of a Volibear. You think of Renekton, you think of Camille, and these champions are out of the picture. There is a missing piece to this combo right here. If they had a Camille instead of the Senna, all of a sudden you would think more highly of this composition. But now, when the Orn gets locked in, there isn't a, an opportunity to pick that key champion that is going to really, really seal the deal for your comp. Orn also naturally does very well into the likes of Senna and Galio because these champions don't do well into tanks. This is the theme that we saw in the previous game too. When Syndra Jin was locked in, these are champions that don't do super well into tanks. Sure, in the case of Jin, Syndra is a little bit better because uh, you know you can control the distance and maybe you can Syndra stun the Orn ulting, ult some or something, but Orn can. Uh, you know, create more distance because Ornold has such a long range, so he can stay further away and be, be outside of any ranges of CC. So there's definitely like some interactions that you can speak about, but generally speaking, uh, these champions are not good against tanks. Well, Orn is a super tank. Um, nevertheless, we continue. Orn Twisted Fake Graves, already you have such a beautiful first three, especially on red, because you can secure yourself a stronger bot lane matchup, especially when enemy shows Senna, the options for AD carries are going to be very, very wide. I was surprised that we saw uh, the trash blind pick here, uh, but the trash blind pick, maybe the idea was to just set up a Ferris at some point. Playing Galio against trash is a bit tricky, so I get it to some uh, degree. And also the fact that they went for Aphelios definitely uh, uh, 
makes the trash pick uh, make a bit more sense. I realize now that I'm showing the wrong draft on stream or on the video. So forgive me, forgive me. This is uh, uh, very silly of me. Anyhow, Graves Suits of Fate Orn lines up for, you know, you just pick a strong bot lane that you can play into and then you, you golden. Set Pantheon ban, synergizes well with Senna and also synergizes well with Nidalee. These are the strong removals. Callista Ezreal bans targeted towards Ghost. Trash gets locked in, Tam Senna, no worries at all. I think Tom does fine into Tissus Fate, but Tom is very bad against Orn. And then the Jax pick. So the Jax pick was very controversial here, in my opinion. I don't know if that makes sense, but I was very surprised with this Jax pick. I was surprised that they managed to land in this place in the first place. Because Camille Rennington out, Nidalee is not that good. Very tough to find the right champion. Like People are going to say, what about Fiora? This is always what I hear. What about Fiora? The issue is... Both Jax and Fiora, by the time they reach the point where they're going to pressure enough on side against an Orn, Orn has already completed a lot of fantastic items for his teammates. So in this game what happened was the first Mountain Drake was killed very late, 12 minutes, and that should be ideal for a split pusher. Because the idea of split pushing is no longer that you have enough pressure to force a reaction. Sure, that sometimes happens, but now with the idea of Soul Drake and Drake's being, you know, respawned so often every five minutes instead of every six minutes, uh, it definitely uh, accelerates the game in a way where team fighting is almost inevitable unless you're ready to give up a Soul Drake. And Jax, in the context of Orn, you know, in this game he was he had good conditions. He managed to, you know, uh, get the first tower with the Herald that his team secured. And Jax uh, was in good form to be useful, but he can't pressure Orn enough to create any uh, valuable um, advantages. That's the problem. Uh, Jax doesn't have time as a friend here because Orn eventually is going to build items for Aphelios and for Twisted Fate. I think Twisted Fate maybe didn't even finish an item that he could upgrade. I was very surprised that Twisted Fate went rapid fire cannon this game because he honestly will be in range of uh, a lot of things most of the time in team fights, but he went for rapid fire to set up the Aphelios. All right, we don't mind. Uh, once again, back to the conversation, Jax Orn. Orn uh, will not get Dove unless Jax is like six core, and even then it's like uh, maybe questionable. Split the, the purpose of split pushing and having a side prior is supposed to give you space and it's supposed to give you a farm advantage because you can control the jungle and you can control the wave however you want it, you can freeze, you can look to time it with jungle uh, ganks, etc. But these, all of these things are meaningless in the Jax Orn matchup. Orn is just too powerful of a tank because even against Fiora, time is going to be his friend. The Drakes went back and forth and then eventually we had a big team fight. You know, at one point, you know, the, the interesting thing to note about Aphelios is they've the nerfs have put him in a position where his weaponry is very very important for the type of team fight that he's in uh, we saw one fight around um, the red buff where Jax actually dominated where the enemy was all grouped up and the issue for Aphelios there he had green and red as weapons if the enemy was grouped up and he had the flamethrower then everything would have looked different but um, in this particular position he just uh, couldn't do much so the enemy uh, were very durable and they managed to get pick up a bunch of kills but then as the fight extended, uh, key members on DRX died, so there was no Nash 
potential. Then eventually there was a big fight around mid lane and Aphelios had the right weapon, he had uh, the red weapon, uh, DRX blew a lot of cooldowns to kill Trash and then eventually, you know, it was very easy for Aphelios to play the team fight because there was no way of reaching him. When Jack's E cooldown is down, his R cooldown is down, he is rather squishy as a champion, even when he has a 40% cooldown reduction, uh, which is what he went for in this game. So Jax, he is just um, several tiers uh, behind a champion like Orn, and uh, he is never going to be better than an Orn because early Orn wins, and then later, you know, he has Bramble West, Sunfire, and Abyssal. It's just so hard to break through that even with Conqueror. Ever since Conqueror no longer has two damage, there was a big buff for our uh, chunky boy Orn. Anyhow, uh, we continue. Uh, Aphelios uh, had a fight, Inferno weapon, flamethrower, boom, he, he killed everybody, Twisted Fate ulted, uh, they got Nash, and then eventually they closed out the game. Dama with a lead is very dangerous because they don't seem to let go, and when they are behind they seem to be patient enough to wait for uh, the situation that grants them the best odds in terms of winning, which is very beautiful to see as an avid connoisseur of beautiful League of Lasagna. I never understood this move. It's like, what, 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 are we, what are we kissing here? You know, this is, like this, this right here looks like, you know, it looks like something. I'm not going to say it because, you know, you, you get what I'm meaning, you know. You just, you, yeah, whatever. I remember there was this uh, bit from Louis C.K. where he is like, what is this? Like, you're kissing the chef's, Asshole or something, you know? <laughs> Whatever, I said it. We continue. Ah, yeah. It's kind of weird to move on from jokes like that when you're completely alone in a silent room. DRX versus Diamond Game 3. Uh, we spoke about it a little bit because I realized that I was showing the wrong draft on stream. Um... Syndra ban continued, Camille ban continued. Having to ban Camille on blue side is definitely a weakness. Here they removed the Nidalee because they expected the Renekton ban uh, to uh, remove the validity of, of course, uh, the uh, the Nidalee pick. But if Nidalee is out, they don't care about Renekton. The prior on jungle is going to be Graves. Uh, Graves gets locked in and then instantly, boom, Orn Kindred. And... Um, I was very surprised to see the Vladimir pick. Like, I know they played against Top Esports and the Vladimir worked, but Orn Kindred are good against Vlad. That's the thing. Uh, Kindred uh, is good against the pool function of Vladimir, and Orn actually wins lane against Vladimir. Abyssal is great buy, and then eventually he can buy Locket of Iron Solari, and it will have immense value against anything that Vladimir wants to uh, provide. I've, I felt like almost DRX got brainwashed uh, after playing against better players in the shape of top esports uh, to lock in this Vladimir. Senna gets picked again. Senna naturally not so good against Orn. Uh, Graves as well. Graves Orn. Uh, Graves Senna against Orn. Orn is very happy. He's going to be very durable. He's going to be a chunky boy. Oriana third pick. Uh, a champion that just uh, generally speaking is going to do super well. This is the replacement in the draft for the Syndra. Uh, already Orn Kindred uh, Oriana is just such a strong uh, first three uh, as a lock-in and the enemy team is not doing anything in particular to uh, counter the theme of these champions 
It's already down one, you know, I think they just won the draft already in first three. Azir gets locked in as a potential lock-in towards Oriana. Also, DRX uh, love Azir. You know, Chovy's a great Azir. Aphelios gets banned, Ezreal gets banned because Aphelios they saw the last time, which leaves, of course, the Callista open, uh, but they didn't feel the need to pick it. Pantheon is the blind pick because Tamkench is out. Pantheon blind becomes good. They lock in the Brom and then the Velkos. So Velkos is honestly quite decent into Oriana. I, I, I don't mind the Velkos here. I, I just feel like the, the issue comes from uh, the other champions. The enemy has Pantheon Ash, which gives them prior on the bottom side. The top, top side is so much stronger. Vladimir is going to get pushed in. And this is the key difference between, you know, uh, some of... Uh, uh, the things we saw in the first game where Kindred almost had no options in terms of breathing within the game. And uh, uh, Pioshik definitely got out-jungled, but jungle is a team effort, so I don't want to put all that blame on Pioshik. It is a very, very rough group draw for DRX, and uh, Damon didn't really need to show anything new. They just uh, continued in the same fashion. And uh, this is the worst-case scenario for anyone uh, on you know, uh, on Genji or G2 because there's no information to take away here. They just kind of continued in the same fashion and they have a very, very good grasp of the meta. Uh, Daman, a very, very precise team, very good at uh, always aligning themselves around the same goal within the game. So I love what I saw uh, from Daman. I don't think it was anything unexpected. I feel bad for DRX because we truly can't know their level because they didn't get to face off against anyone else. Damon stylistically probably was the hardest matchup for them. I think some of the LPL teams are more, you know, like let's say they were against Sunni. I think that could have been a more like a bigger test of individual skill and prowess because this is an avenue where I think DRX are very strong. Um, I think Pioshik had a decent tournament showing. I think Doran was also alright. I think Chovy had, had more to offer, but the meta and playing against Damon, of course, uh, constricts you. Uh, I think also Korean Life, I mean, Korea and uh, Deft also have a lot to offer, but facing up against Damon in round one is just uh, a, a doomsday sentence. And I think some of the other LPL teams are fighting more tooth and nail and. Uh, are uh, forcing more skill check situations and I think this is where DRX could do better. So this is the end of the DRX um, uh, tournament run. It's just uh, bittersweet. Well, just bitter honestly. There's no there's no sweetness here uh, for DRX. It's just the, the worst possible draw. Which leads me into uh, the conversation of uh, the uh, the format. So I wanted to speak about the format today. Uh, whoops. I want to speak about the format today because it's been a very big discussion uh, point for everyone. And um, I, I heard the argument for the format is that the purpose of the tournament is just to crown the best team. So this is something that I believe Vedius tweeted out, which I understand, you know, that the, you, you have to uh, put uh, aspects like production, uh, the cost of the team, the fatigue of players, because imagine if there's a double elimination, maybe you have to play... So let's say now if you win every game, you have to play six plus nine games. Uh, and that's a minimum uh, if you are winning the tournament. Six plus nine games. So I'm just going to do uh, some math. So that's 15 games already, right? 15 games and that's 21 
as a, a maximum because we would add six additional games if all of the best of fives went to five games. Uh, quick math. So that's a lot of games, right? If we had double elimination, I haven't done the math for exactly what the potential games are, but it could turn into a lot of freaking games in a, a very a short amount of time because you can't really extend the tournament over the span of uh, two months. So there are definitely some arguments for uh, this um, this situation. You know, player fatigue is something that is very important, and that's something that G2 specifically, you know, uh, called out as a, a problem uh, for them at the last year's uh, World Championship. They were very fatigued coming into the last best of five. Same thing for G2 back in 2000, I believe, uh, 18 where they had to play the regional qualifier, instantly fly out, boot camp, and then play uh, the, the play-ins, and then they had to play group stage. I didn't even think of the situation for the teams that have to play play-ins. That fatigue it becomes super, super extended. And uh, G2, of course, that year went all the way to semifinals, lost against IG. And uh, by the time they played IG, I just, just can't imagine that they are completely exhausted. Sure. There are some sports uh, where uh, endurance uh, gets tested. So that's an argument against it, right? There's, there's, there's marathon runners, there's ultra marathon runners. I believe that's the word for it, where people like run for days on days. And uh, there are definitely, you know, sports with, where endurance uh, gets tested. And uh, uh, someone out there might say that, oh, endurance is a part of the game. Of course it is. Of course it is. I think... Um, the idea of the tournament deciding the best team, this is where we might be in a territory where I think this tournament doesn't address the idea of um, stylistic matchups. There are some teams that are stylistically better against others. Let's say, let's say the hypothetical situation. Let's say Top Esports beat JDG. And then let's say Damwon beats Top Esports. But let's say there's a world where JDG stylistically match up against Damwon. So who's the best team in the world then? Right? Just as an example, I'm not saying this is true. This is just an exercise for your mind. There are stylistic differences uh, where other teams match up against other teams better. And I think this format doesn't address that at all. You have one winner at the end. Uh, let's take last year's World Championship as an example. RNG in the group stage didn't get out i think rng was better than some of the teams that went all the, uh, to the quarterfinals their group draw really screwed them over and this was very disappointing to see they had a group with skt and of course fanatic so this is something that uh, really really bothers me this year we were lucky that the eight best teams on paper got to uh, quarters i think that's good we are lucky with that but then the group draw leaves a lot uh, for you know for for my desire it doesn't really fulfill you know it does, doesn't tickle my pickle uh, so to say so the stylistic differences we never get to see that uh, this time around we get to see matchup that we already seen like imagine now uh, like we have two LPL teams in uh, the semifinals let's say let's say G2 lose and we have two Korean teams in the semifinals you know the only thing that is cool is it's like, it's as if these two regions had a little competition for who they want to, you know, send into war. You know, send your best warrior, LPL. And then like Top Esports is riding in. Then LCK is sending their best warrior. 
and then they're standing in the middle of the battlefield to determine uh, you know who wins based on who's the strongest warrior right we, we've all seen these movies we've all played these games you get exactly what i mean right hector or yeah troya or, or whatever you get me so that's one aspect that is cool about it but just missing out on all of the potential matchups is very disappointing for me as uh, you know as a lover of good league of legends I wanted to see more LCK versus LPL. I want to see more Europe against LPL and LCK. Of course, we get some of this, but you know, because Europe is on either side of the bracket. But LPL versus LCK, we only get one best of five, and uh, definitely we will see. You know, when you're playing a team that you've known and have played against, like this was coming into this best of five, DRX and Damwon played each other 18 games, 18 times they played each other throughout the year. And when that's the case, you can begin to adjust yourself towards your enemy, right? You're no longer measuring yourself in a competition against a team that you are, you're threading new waters, you're doing making predictions and assumptions based on the pieces of information that you see from their games. But when you've played against a team, you begin to learn patterns and, you know, the the repeat losses uh, or repeat uh, of uh, best of five tend to happen. Uh, I think Suning versus JDG as well. I think Suning has a lot to offer to this tournament, but I think for the same reasons, I'm leaning towards JDG. The key difference, of course, which adds a lot of question marks, is that Suning and JDG haven't played a best of five against each other in recent history. So, of course, that matters. But it just deeply, deeply saddens me. I think there is just room to explore where uh, you squeeze in more best of fives. And I think uh, it is um, silly to say that uh, just because a team goes all the way, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, they are the best team. They, they could be the best team, and the odds are that they are the best team. But uh, there are some specific matches that they get to dodge. Uh, a good conversation to have, uh, theoretical don't get upset. Theoretical. Uh, let's say Griffin faced IG, right? Damwon got the first seed. They faced G2 in the round, uh, in the first round, and then G2 went against SK Telecom in the second round of, of playoffs last year's Worlds. And this was the ideal draw for G2. G2 have experience against the likes of SKT and stylistically matched up very, very well against them. And the conversation that we could never have is how would SKT look against FPX? Maybe stylistically they would match up better uh, because they are very, very controlled in their approach and they get to the point in the game where they outscale the enemy. FPX still world champion. I don't want to take anything away from them. I'm just having a theoretical discussion. So please, if you're a fan of these teams, don't be offended. It's just a questioning the format and what it's offering to us in terms of entertainment and truly determining who is the best. Same thing for Griffin. Griffin faced IG. And uh, Griffin at the time, the two best of ones that they beat again, beat G2 in, really got my hopes uh, up for them. But stylistic against IG, when they have the shy, he is brutal when it comes to terrible top laners. Absolutely brutal. He really smacks down hard on uh, weak top laners. And that was Sword. The Shai almost solo carried this uh, best of five. And uh, I think Griffin 
maybe if they were the ones that uh, got a um, different, uh, you know, quarterfinals opponent, maybe they could have gone deeper. Maybe they would have performed better against FBX than IG did because FBX have a lot of information on IG. They know how to deal with them. Uh, eventually, in in uh, their own region as well, they also were very very good against them. And uh, this is something you know that is interesting for me to explore as an idea. There are some teams that just get shit draws, and a lot of matchups tend to just disappear into thin air, and uh, we don't know for sure anything. Same for Fnatic; they faced off against FPX, and they took a game off of FPX. Uh, at the time, everyone thought that this was a dream draw for Fnatic because stylistically it looked like they're going to match up well. And um, FBX didn't look like a strong team coming out of groups, which is a very separate discussion too that I want to address, but let's do it after this discussion. And then uh, Fnatic lost against the world champion and maybe if they faced against someone else, maybe they would have gone deeper in the tournament. We can't even have the discussion of how Fnatic would look against Damwon. That would have been, you know, a very interesting discussion too. And these are games that are forever going to be forgotten because teams change, players change. And um, that um, saddens me. But I want to reiterate, I understand player fatigue. I understand production costs. I understand talent fatigue. Uh, I understand all of these aspects. But I'm sure uh, there is uh, some kind of middle ground. And I don't have a perfect solution. I just wanted to address some of the concerns that I have as a viewer. I would have loved to see double elimination. For me, when quarterfinals start, that is when the tournament really begins. Uh, a conversation that is worth having too is in regards to seeding. There are some games and some groups uh, between top teams and lower tier teams that are just almost pointless. Right? So that one is also a very difficult problem to solve. I'm not going to say that uh, I have a solution. I, I think that's an, an important stance to sometimes have that... Uh, uh, I'm not going to accuse and say that uh, Riot is terrible because I don't have an ideal solution. I just want to open up the conversation and hear maybe what my community has uh, to say uh, in regards to some of these uh, concerns. The last thing I wanted to address was um, just um, the liquor that is best of ones. The reason I call it liquor is because it can really, really make the community drunk on, you know, on rushing to quick assumptions. So there are key pieces of information that you can take away from best of ones. You should look out for things that teams replicate. What are tendencies and uh, things that can easily be replicated from game to game? What, what are aspects of class that they're showing. This is very important. Uh, a good example could be SOFM and his jungling. It's very easy to assess after one game based on the decisions that he's making that this is something that is going to be a part of SOFM from game to game. And this is something that he showed throughout the group stage. This is something that you can easily assess. This is a very big strength from Sooning. There was, was a game where Team Liquid won against Sooning but this was Sooning uh, dropping the ball in draft. And Team Liquid, of course, capitalized with the Morphite lock-in into the Senna, Jace, and Graves and the Twisted Fate. So Morphite just got insane value. And unless Sooning, of course, snowballs the shit out of that game, 
they are going to, of course, lose that game. So this was something that I knew that Team Liquid won't be able to replicate. So that doesn't change my assessment of the Sooning Team Liquid matchup. The, uh, if they face off against each other after a best of one like that and a best of five, I'm not going to rush to the judgment of saying, wow, uh, Team Liquid won once, they're going to win again. Because this is something that is tough to replicate. You know, Same thing with um, Sooning versus G2. That's also another good example. The first game, G2, they they won, but the way they won was very dirty. It's not something that is something. It's not something that you can replicate. It's not something that you can use as a strategy coming into another best of one. You hope that the enemy drops the ball in the later parts of the game because that game was very winning for Suning, and Suning was clearly the best team in this um, group. So when they face up the second time, I predicted Suning because of the information that we had from Suning that the things that you are able to replicate by far they showed the highest level in their group and this comes to the discussion of JDG and Top Esports in past world championships uh, FBX the group stage they run didn't look good they, they had to play a tiebreaker against Splice and they lost against a Splice that uh, went to five games against the Unicorns of Love so Splice came in, you know, with uh, broken legs into uh, the group stage. And uh, FPX looked very dirty in group stage. Same thing for IG in 2018. Uh, they got the second seed and had to face KT in the quarterfinals. And to many, uh, to me as well, that was the true final. That was the two best teams at the tournament uh, facing off against each other. I was at this tournament, so I had the chance to practice against both IG and KT and these guys were absolute beasts. Uh, honestly, uh, right away you saw that these teams are championship level uh, caliber in comparison to any other team at the tournament. I think the only team we didn't scrim was, of course, the teams in our group, which was RNG and Gen.G and uh, Cloud9. We practiced against Cloud9, I think, at the beginning. Uh, and then uh, we didn't scrim against, uh, I believe, was T1? We didn't scrim against T1 because they are very premium, you know. Chicky Miki. What was my point? I, lo I lost my train of thoughts. Yeah, my, my, my point was the group stage didn't show the level that IG can achieve. It didn't show the level of FPX either. And looking at JDG and Top Esports, these were no they were not in groups where they were forced to um, really, really push themselves. You play the first game, the second game, you begin to recognize that this group is, is easy for you. There's no reason for you to, to push any limits here. Uh, there are some different groups like Group C where Genji truly got tested and got pushed to the limit. So these are uh, games where you can find more information. But in terms of Top Eastwoods and JDG, we still need to look at them from the lens and the perspective that we had coming into the tournament because the group stage means very little in terms of what level these teams are at. Top Esports had a very easy group for them. JDG as well, getting out of that group was also easy for them. Of course, it was very disappointing that they lost against PSG, and PSG capitalized on the leads and the, the fingers that uh, you know JDG gave uh, to PSG for free, and then they lost an arm, and then eventually the whole body, which in this case is a game. So I don't want to take anything away from PSG, but JDG and Top Esports didn't show their level in group stage. 
we can't rush to any conclusion off of what they showed in group stage. Like if, if JDG continues picking Silas jungle every fucking game, uh, then you know raise alarms. Then JDG just have lost the plot completely because picking Silas is just downright dirty. Top esports as well dropped the game to FlyQuest. There was no respect in that game at all. FlyQuest capitalized did well. I don't want to take anything away from them, but Tobis was a, were very disrespectful. Buying pick Lux against someone like Ignar, you haven't done your research, uh, and then the level one invade happens. They get level one invade and, and die against the Blitzcrank. Another thing that is silly. Then in lane phase, Yuyanja dies, and then FlyQuest simply, you know, uh, they they punished the fact that Urgot was a blind pick. They picked an R into it. Solo was very ready to play it. FlyQuest executed on the opportunity the top esports gave them, but that was a very big opportunity in the first place. Sure. You know, the LPL teams tend to be uh, like cowboys, wild cowboys. They shoot from the hip, you know, they do uh, things that are very bold. Uh, but when push comes to shove, these teams, uh, you know, both in their final matches of the group definitely showed parts of what they are capable of. Topis was against DRX was a beautiful game. JDG versus Damon in the final game was also a very beautiful game. Uh, JDG versus Damon, we can't take too much away from it because the group was already said and done. But as a fan and a viewer, I don't think you should read too much into certain group stages. And I think that's a good place to leave it. I managed to find, uh, I wanted to share some things that I find fun. I managed to find the fidget spinner that PewDiePie has in his videos. It looked really fun to play with, so I have it on my desk. It actually comes in two. So that's pretty fun. It comes two. Uh, I was thinking if I should give one to my lovely, beautiful girlfriend, but I I like having two, so I'm just going to keep them. You know? Treat yourself. Anyhow, uh, I also bought some Yu-Gi-Oh cards for those uh, who, who follow me on Twitter. Uh, I've been uh, talking a lot about starting to collect cards. LS tweeted at me and gave me some tips. I decided to go into Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Pokemon seems to be like the ship has sailed. Everything is super expensive. I bought a couple of cards. Uh, these are not too exciting. You know, I, I'm very noob at collecting. I'm learning about all the sets and the first editions and the different type of uh, rare cards and so forth. But anyhow, uh, there are more cards hidden in here. This was my first uh, little uh, shipment and delivery. Let me show you guys some of the cards. I haven't seen them yet. So I'm very, very excited. I've washed my hands, of course, and uh, uh, I'm going to try to pull them out here without damaging them. I, I feel like my fingers are a bit too fat. I can't really enter the sleeve. Oh, no. Trying to do it without damaging the cards, of course. I bought some booster packs, which I'm going to eventually open. This is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous problem to have. My, my finger just doesn't fit in there, so I can't really pull anything out. Wow. Alright, I'm getting something out. Alright, I gotta stop. Alright. Got something out. So these are cards. I bought them. I just wanted to get cards from... Uh, the initial uh, from the Legend of the Blue Eyes White Dragon set because this is the, the first set. Uh, I wanted to get cards only in mint condition, I didn't want anything else. So I got a Dark Magician, 
So there, there are several different dark magicians. Like this one is not that expensive. This was a two euro card. So this is a very good condition card, but it is from the wrong set. It's from an older set. So a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh cards get reprints. So that is uh, less exciting, but Dark Magician is super cool. So I just thought, I'm, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to keep it. I'm very happy about that one. Just I'm going to put it aside. And I got a couple of uh, Legend of the Blue Eyes White Dragon. I told you guys that it's a base set. I got a couple of cards that are in, in good condition that look cool. Let's see what this is a chick. This is not the first edition. So this is the first edition base set, which is even more rare. But I just wanted to get like some mint condition uh, cards. Uh, from chumps that spent a lot of uh, money on booster packs and then eventually, uh, you know, stop defense. I don't know why, but this card is nostalgic to me. I just remember this picture. So when I saw it, I was like, I need to have this. And then we have a metal dragon. Metal dragon. All right. And then a flower wolf. I just thought it looked ridiculous. For people that know TCG and know Yu-Gi-Oh are going to just look at this and be like, Jesus, this, this guy knows nothing. And trust me, I know that I know nothing. <laughs> Let me just try to get out the cards from uh, the other one as well. All right. All right, we're getting something out. All right, so this was uh, this was another three. Uh, I bought. I, I got a Mida bat. I don't know why I got a Mida bat. I don't even remember buying this, but I got a Mida bat. Okay, probably super cheap. Got a Petit dragon. I thought it was cute. I'm gonna show it to my girlfriend. Maybe she says ooh, and then we move on. Very cheap card. Like a lot of these cards are very cheap. And then the most hype card that I got. In this uh, particular package is the blue eyes white dragon uh, once again this, this card gets reprinted a lot so this is not an expensive blue eyes white dragon it's a very good condition a very good condition but it's a reprint so this is the first edition from ske i don't know what what uh, what pack that is i think maybe like uh, starter deck kaiba or something i don't know uh, any anyhow uh, it's a blue eyes white dragon pretty cool beautiful card i'm trying to make it focus but it refuses all right now it's focused all right beautiful card so my idea is i want to collect as many blue eyes white dragon as possible and then eventually i will uh, be led to the point where i'm going to buy a card that is way too expensive and um, i i think we're getting there <laughs> we're getting there slowly but this one i'm very excited about I want to collect every blue eyes white dragon in uh, as good a condition as possible i think the ghost rares are also super beautiful i'm going to try to pack uh, the ghost rare ra uh, for those who uh, know uh, which is uh, in a, more, a very recent pack uh, which is called uh, uh, i think rage of ra so i'm going to try to pack him he's worth a good amount of money Going to open about uh, maybe one of the 50 packs booster packs here on uh, the stream at some point but this is of course just a little side thing maybe some of you are not interested in it but uh, i'd assume i'd uh, uh, it would be a good idea to share uh, a little bit so these were the first cards that i bought this wasn't too expensive i think i paid five euro in total for all of these uh, including the shipping i paid so maybe three euro for the cards and then that's it it's just uh, uh, fun to look at 
anyhow, I'm very excited about this process. I'm very excited about uh, the future too, uh, in terms of uh, the World Championship. Tomorrow we have Suning and JDG. I am leaning towards JDG because I think Suning's playstyle is very unorthodox, but I think having experience against it is going to be very helpful. Suning is a bit of a dark horse because they improved so much at the end of summer and um, they lost against OP Sports and we haven't seen them again in a best of five against, uh, of course, um, JDG. But I think JDG still pound for pound are crazy, crazy good. They've shown very high level of play throughout the entire year, only losing best of fives to, of course, uh, top esports, and I think there's no shame in that. And some of those games, they also won. There was a best of five at MSC that JDG lost, and of course, the summer split final. But I'm leaning towards JDG because I think, um, judging from the entire year, I think uh, they're just on paper better. I think this was a very, very sad draw for Suning. We talked about a sad draw for DRX. This is a terrible draw for Suning. They get to face against face off against JDG, which is a higher seed than they are. And um, they they couldn't have gotten worse. They could have gotten DRX or Fnatic. would have been easier uh, for, for them. But it would have been easier for <laughs> DRX and Fnatic too. So that would have been uh, more fair for everyone, right? No one wants to draw uh, top esports or... Or Dama, you know, either way, you, you're screwed. So, JDG versus Suning, tough draw. Uh, I think Suning is definitely like if they win this one, they are oh, a dark horse because I think some of the things that SOFM did are definitely, you know, things that I've never seen any jungler do. It's uh, very unorthodox and uh, beautiful to watch. Definitely a learning experience for me, too, which is very rare. Very rarely is it like a learning experience for me to watch something, and that always uh, gets me going. I think. Uh, this is going to be a 3-1 for uh, JDG. Thank you so much for watching. We're going to continue the stream. Maybe we're going to find the opportunity to play uh, some uh, flex, maybe. Uh, stay tuned in the channel. We're going to upload more Clash videos and uh, more summaries. You can catch this on The Voice of Yamara on Spotify. I feel very energetic today. Very energetic. And uh, I chose to ignore chat. Uh, I've, <laughs> I read uh, all of your feedback and I agree that... Uh, that the chat definitely uh, stirs me away from the conversation that I want to have. And uh, questions can always be left for later. Uh, so thank you so much for all of your feedback. I read all of it. I read all of the comments. I am so happy about, uh, you know, reaching 50,000 subscribers. That's a huge milestone for me. Uh, I am unbelievably excited about the progress we make uh, on this channel. Uh, all in all, uh, thank you for your support. Uh, please leave in the comments below if you made it this far in the video uh, what you want from me as a 50,000 sub celebration. Uh, give me some ideas. Uh, we already did the hot sauce thing. Maybe we can do like a cinnamon challenge or something. Who knows? Just think of something and maybe we'll do it. I'm not going to guarantee that we do it. Maybe I need to dye my hair or something. No, probably not. Dye my hair, maybe we can do it 100k, but I don't know what I would fit in. I think the only dyeing of my hair that I would fit in is probably like gray. Like a, like a really, like a, like a George Clooney gray, right? But I don't think anything else would fit on me. I, I would look really ridiculous because I have features that work with uh, very dark hair. Okay, if you're blessed... If you're blessed during this, if you sneeze during this video, bless you and bless your face. I'll catch you guys on the next one. The stream will continue. Don't go anywhere.